0: Hey kids, spelling is fun. Surprise everyone, put on your cardigans and get ready to discuss Taylor Swift's surprise 8th album Folklore and also get ready for first-hand experience of Lauren's Taylor obsession along with our conversation about lyrics, favorite songs and rating Taylor's albums. Welcome to Nice to Have a Friend.
1: Okay, so if you have listened to any previous episode of our podcast at all, you have to know by now that I am the biggest Swifty ever. I'm like a serious hardcore, like, have my own fan account on Twitter, started, helped start the UTK Facebook, UTK Swifties group. Like, I am very, very deep into the Taylor Swift, um, like- Fandom. I even went to put on my reputation era sweatshirt for us to record this episode. I had something on different before it, but I was like, I need to get in the zone. If this is the first episode that you're listening to of our podcast, welcome. I promise that we don't talk about Taylor Swift like this all the time, (laughs) but this is going to be a special surprise episode dedicated to the Queen Taylor Swift herself just like she surprisingly dropped this album we are surprisingly dropping this episode so I'm very excited for this and Allison actually typed up the notes for this which is very good because (laughs) if she didn't type up notes I would probably just talk about this for like three hours straight with no rhyme or reason. See Lauren definitely
0: got me to be more of a Taylor Swift fan because I never was anti-Taylor Swift like in the period before Reputation when people were kind of all on her case i was never anti taylor swift i loved her first album when i was younger i'm from east tennessee so loving taylor swift was kind of easy because she was on country radio all the time but then i kind of just forgot about her and i picked up again around 1989 and then when i met you that was post reputation but after that you got me very hooked on taylor swift uh i last fall well, this fall, really, I don't know, whatever, beginning of senior year, Lauren had a party for the release of Lover. I had no idea that Taylor Swift was coming out with another album. Um, And it was like three or four days before and Lauren told me she was going to do it. And I said, yeah, okay, sure. So that night I had to work. And there was a rain delay during the soccer game that I was working at. So I didn't get off of work until like 1130 when I should have been able to get there at like nine. And I get there and Lauren's room is decked out. She's made like rainbow colored themed foods. She has the word lover in big gold balloons like inflated on the wall. She's playing music on the TV. Has all of the because she really special journals, right? Or something for lovers. Yeah, like she released
1: four different editions of the CD with like different journals.
0: And Lauren had bought the journals at Target and had them out on the floor. And then when the CD came, or not the CD, but when the album officially dropped, Lauren had a folder with like a set list of the album for everybody so that they could make notes on how they felt about the songs. And at the time, I was like, this is cool. This is also very, very crazy. And this year when Folklore came out like two weeks ago I wish that we could have been doing it again because I feel like you have somehow made me into this mega fan that I did not ever anticipate being of Taylor Swift and I was so excited I didn't stay up until midnight to listen though and I think Lauren might have been slightly disappointed in me for not staying up to listen
1: (laughs) okay well two things one I did not have the journals at the Like, release party, because I didn't go get those until the next morning, like, at 8 a.m. at Target, because, like, the album hadn't came out yet. Do you know what I mean?
0: Oh, they were the reputation. They were the reputation. Yeah, I
1: had, like, I had the reputation, like, magazines that she released, but I'm so glad you remember that detail, because... That makes it worth it that I just bought all four of those books because that alone was like a big chunk of money. But, and then I was not disappointed that you didn't say up until midnight. I was disappointed that it was like three in the afternoon and you still <laughs> hadn't listened to it because I expected you to like wake up <laughs> at 8am, listen for like two hours straight through. And I was like, Allison, No, she I even was... shared on her Instagram that she was looking for like road trip. Suggestions or what oh yeah, I was looking Instagram?
0: for t v suggestions, and it was right before I left yes. on
1: her <laughs> trip. she posted like one of those question box, and i like I replied and said, "Listen to folklore, like just nothing else, listen to folklore, which I
0: did because I was going to visit friends near Nashville, and I had like a three hour car ride, so I was saving it so that I could listen to it in the car and then I did listen to it, and then, as soon as I was done, I typed up my thoughts and sent them to Lauren via the notes app on the iPhone and I got like a thumbs up and (laughs) that was like all that you had sent me back so I did I think
1: I was doing something when you sent them to me I can't remember it's okay I knew we were gonna have I knew
0: we were gonna have this podcast so I knew we would be able to talk about it eventually and the funny thing is where I was driving in Nashville there's this place where there's a castle and they have this renaissance fair there every year and the castle is like you can see the top of it from the interstate. And that's where Taylor filmed Love Story. So I got a picture of that when I was driving on the road and I sent that to Lauren. And I thought that was kind of fitting that it was on a Taylor release day that I drove past that. I thought that was kind of a fun detail.
1: But don't be disappointed that you weren't with me this year because we can kind of just like recap how she announced this album for anyone who may not know or anyone who might want to like reminisce on that exciting day. But before with Lover, like, she dropped me, she dropped You Need to Calm Down, she dropped The Archer, like, we had a lot of buildup to Lover. Folklore was the complete opposite. She literally announced it at, like, 7.45 or 8 that morning and released, like, nine Instagram squares that were, like, the album cover cut up, and I saw the first one, and it was just, like, woods. And I was like, oh, she, because I was awake. And I was like, oh, she must have just went on vacation with her boyfriend and just wanted to post a picture from it because she does that, like, all the time. It'll be like a cryptic photo with no one in it. And I'm like, yeah, they definitely just went on vacation. But then she posted another one. And I was like, oh, maybe she's just resetting her Instagram feed. Like, maybe there's going to be a new era in a couple of months. And she's resetting it. Then she posted another one. And I was like... Oh my gosh and then the one of her like standing in the forest came out and I was like Preston this is something like something is about to happen and then she announced the album and I was like oh my gosh and then I kept reading and it said drops tonight at midnight and I was like (gasps) so then I went straight to the merch store and I bought a record like a vinyl because we have a record player and I was so close to buying a sweatshirt like in the heat of the moment but I'm glad I didn't because I have way too many clothes. I
0: was too. I actually sent Lauren a link of it like a week ago and I really wanted to buy it, but it was $60 and I felt like that was irresponsible. So I did not purchase it.
1: Yeah, with our job like prospects in the (laughs) air, we probably should not be spending our money on stuff like that. So I'm glad we held each other accountable. So I did not get to do all that to say, I did not get to do anything even close to what I would have done, like what I did for Lover. But I did make like a coffee cake dessert because I was like I need to make this feel like a coffee house and my friend Skylar who's like I've also turned her into a huge Swifty she used to not be but like she is a big Swifty now she texted me and was like oh my gosh oh my gosh oh my gosh and I was like can you come spend the night and she like literally came and spent the night slipped on my couch just so we could listen to folklore at midnight and I'm so glad she did that because Preston tries, but he just cannot be physically excited enough for me, but he really tries.
0: Me, even though you've made me into a Taylor Swift fan, I would not say that I'm, I, I'm not a Swiftie. I wouldn't give myself that title, but I was actually really excited. This was the first album that she's ever dropped that I was anticipating listening to it and actually really excited and it felt like I was part of the experience because even though I was there when Lover came out with you, I wasn't Yeah. all into it, but. I would say that you were on the
1: edge of your seat yeah I wasn't
0: on the edge of my seat in fact I fell asleep after listening to the 12th song and had to go to bed because I was really tired but this one I was very excited about but what were your initial thoughts of the music itself
1: I think I was just like the day leading up to it my friend Skylar and I were talking about how We were so nervous because we both listened to alternative music. Like, we both love coffee shop music. I listened to the Coffee House playlist on Sirius Radio. Like, I, if I'm not listening to Taylor Swift, I'm listening to something that's, like, very calm, relaxing, and alternative. So, when she announced this album and it had all the makings of an alternative, sweet album, I was so excited. But I was also... Really nervous that she was going to market it as this like deep, dark alternative album, and then we were going to listen to the first note and it was going to be like me, the song Me, all over again. And I joked that it was going to be like thinking you were picking up a cup with water in it and like drinking out of the straw and realizing that it was Sprite. Like I was afraid that that was what was going to happen. To my immense pleasure. It ended up being the most deep, dark, folk album. Not folk, but you know what I mean. Like deep, dark, woodsy. And I was just so euphoric that Taylor Swift had finally given, because I love all of her albums, but it's like Taylor Swift plus my favorite genre of music like meshed into one. Because I really don't like pop unless it's her. So... I was just, like, having such a good time, like, vibing to the music, but I also was super worried that she was, like, depressed. I was afraid that her and her boyfriend had broken up. She was going through it, and then she released, like, this note, this letter that she had written to her fans, basically, about the album, saying that she was writing from so many different perspectives from this album, and just, like, imaginary events that she had came up with, and that made me realize that she is just even better of a songwriter than I ever imagined because she's literally happy with the love of her life and we thought she was like going through the worst darkest moment in her life so it's amazing and also one like initial thought when I listened to The One which is like the first song on the album I was like oh my gosh this song is so sad like this is so depressing And then now I'm like, wow, The One is actually one of the more boppy songs. Like, this is a bop. This is a fun one. (laughs) And it's, like, crazy to me how The One is one of the happier songs on the album. Yeah, I just never expected a Taylor album to be this sad. But I love it.
0: Well, I kind of had a similar initial thought to you. Because because I was coming into this as kind of a new fan, I didn't really know what to expect. Because all of her last three albums since she switched over to pop have been very theme centric so 1989 i would see it as kind of like jumping into pop but kind of like retro vibes like to her jumping into something that she was already doing really well and then reputation is kind of like this revenge album and then lover is all about like love and fun and it's very happy and it's very lighthearted for the most part and so I didn't have any expectations, I guess, because you only had a day to think about it. But when I was listening exactly. to it on a drive, I was kind of like, "What the heck?" I mean, I was. It probably had gotten all the way to like illicit affairs, and I just did not know how to feel about it because it was so somber compared to a lot of the. Yeah, things it's she's somber. Written. But by the time you get to Invisible String, that started to turn it around for me, and then I listened to it again, and I actually started to really like it, because I was trying to think when I hear the word folklore, what does that make me think of? And I just remember being in elementary school and having to read folk stories or myths and legends and things like that for a class, and it's all things that are, like, mysterious, and you don't know who these people are, and you're kind of curious, like, how much of this is true, and who is this about, and very much the woodsy chill rainy day in a sweater inside feeling and that this album does that I'm I don't know really exactly how to describe that but it feels like whatever aesthetic she was going for especially even with her marketing and stuff I feel like it works and once you listen to it all the way through and you kind of see that some of these things are not necessarily her perspective but she's telling stories I just I think it's genius and I think the whole thing shows her growth through her career because I would argue that some points of all the songs kind of tie back to other albums or other styles and kind of songs like Betty make me think of her early country album and things like the whatever what song was it that like ties into all too well that I can't think of right now is it Betty yeah Betty like ties into all too well and all that kind of stuff so I just I just think that that's really cool and I definitely feel like this is up there in her career achievements of not only did she drop it within a day but she literally wrote these crazy awesome lyrics and these awesome stories and it wasn't just she just dropped something in quarantine and everybody listened to it because there was nothing else better to do it was like she dropped it but it was probably her best project to date
1: Yeah I love that you mentioned how when you think back to like middle school and you think about folk stories and folklore I love that you brought up how everyone's always like what does this mean like what is the greater purpose of this like reading in between the lines. And that is what people have done on Taylor's music for over a decade. And a lot of that, she's completely 100% encouraged herself. But I think we also have to see that there's a limit and like dissecting every word that she says is really hard on a person. And like, it's really hard because she's put herself in this box where she can't be as true to like herself because she knows people are going to, literally find all of the like exact meaning and she can't like be as abstract and artistic because it could like ruin someone's life. Like it could literally like if she says anything as blatant as Dear John, like people could get so mad at her again like they did with 1989, like that era. So I think it's really important that this album was all about other people, but then she still found a way to make it tie back into her experiences as a person. And then I just also think this is another time to point out what a sheer marketing genius Taylor Swift is. She is just a business uh-huh. <laughs> shark. Like, she could go on Shark Tank and, like, have all of them eating out of the palm of her hand in 10 minutes. Un- well, I would love minutes.
0: to know. I would just so secretly hope that she has some camera crew doing, like, a Miss Americana part 2 showing the when they decided to release this and when she decided... I don't know, like when she finished and when she decided she was going to release it and how they were planning to literally market and drop all of this merchandise within 24 hours. I would love to know. I mean, that is... I
1: would too. You know that took crazy. intense planning. I loved all the tweets that were like, me for four months in quarantine rolling around on the floor. Taylor Swift in four months of quarantine, literally recording 17 different songs, releasing 16 versions of a hard copy CD, releasing a whole merch line, making a music video producing the music video, directing it, like, it just blows my mind how good she does eras, because everything for her has always been an era, like, she is just so good at marketing and evoking a feeling, and I think Folklore on its own is such a good album, but paired with her marketing prowess, it's just, like, absolute dynamite. It's amazing. I
0: think one thing is for sure, and it's that this album is very unprecedented. Not only was it released within 24 hours, but it was dropped in the middle of a global pandemic where I think she had more of a captive audience, I would say, worldwide that were able to actually stream it and listen to it. And with that came a lot of really interesting tidbits of information. Lauren was very surprised because I was reading a lot of Rolling Stone and Billboard articles and like pulling out some factoids because I thought this was so interesting, but I, re- I wrote down a couple of things that i thought people might like to know folklore didn't outsell lovers initial launch but it was streamed over 50 million more times i mean it, it didn't not sense. sell it by that much more it was only like a hundred thousand copies but again it didn't have any marketing it was literally like 24 hours before and it was streamed
1: 50 million more times also she did not release the album in stores She only released it on her physical, like, or on her digital website. And I think that was because she didn't want people, like, rushing out to the store, like, being unsafe, like, creating an unsafe environment. So if you add this on to how physical CD buying is going down, like, way down every Mm. single year, plus the fact that it wasn't in her typical retailer, which is Target, it's amazing that she got even close to selling like physical copies of yeah, the thing
0: you're right because I didn't think about I knew that it wasn't necessarily advertised and stuff but even not having it in physical stores so people couldn't just yeah, go because, get it right away
1: for example I went to Target and bought all four copies of her special CD for lover because I was there in the moment I saw them physically they were wrapped up I just needed to see what was inside so I bought all four But this time I only bought a vinyl because it was online and I couldn't be in like Mm -mm. a physical place to get excited about it, if that makes sense.
0: I wonder if that affected a lot of other like diehard Swifties that normally would buy multiple copies.
1: Definitely. And it's going to come out in Target. So I think sales are going to spike like as soon as it comes out in Target. But yeah, that definitely affected sales. And I think if it wasn't for that, it probably would have outsold Lover, if not been right on par with it.
0: Well, I think that's one of the other things that was interesting because apparently, according to Rolling Stone, when Lover released, her other albums didn't see a significant increase in streaming. It was only just like a couple notches and a percent. But after Folklore was released, at least four of her albums were streamed at least 20% more than they had been previously. Fearless was streamed 45% more Over the last two weeks than it had been uh, compared to like months prior. And then Speak Now and Red also were streamed up to 30% more than they had been. And that's, you know, that's going to be like millions of people going back to listen to her music and look at those connections.
1: And that just shows how folklore is very reminiscent of her old stuff, but it's just way more mature than her old stuff. So I think that shows you how people are like wow, this is what I always used to love about Taylor Swift, but now it's just a more mature package. And so they went back to old stuff that kind of gave them that nostalgia.
0: I know. I feel like you can't really say I miss old Taylor Swift anymore because I feel like this definitely is, this is old and new Taylor Swift, like morphed into one person, I guess. Yeah.
1: She's really like lean. And it's kind of goes back to this is me trying when she says she's never been a natural. All she does is try, try, try. Like, I guess on one hand, you could say she's leaning into the things that people are wanting, but I don't think she sacrificed herself in this process. I think she's really like stayed true to herself at the same time. So I'm just really glad that she's found that balance and she's not really making music for the masses anymore. She's kind of making it for her true, like true fans. And she's kind of almost recovering fans that she's really lost like Mm -hmm. over the past few years. I would agree with that because just
0: listening to it, like the instruments she uses and the sounds she's using in this album compared to, I won't necessarily say Lover because I think Lover was, some of the things were very different on that as well. But I would say comparing it to like Reputation or 1989, the sounds are so much, like you said, almost darker, but I feel like it's a real emotion that a lot of people have felt without it kind of yes. being too pop mainstream and some of her bridges or like some of her choruses the the weird right not rhyming um what am I thinking of like the timing of her songs and stuff it's just nothing feels like it was churned out in a lyric factory or in just traditional no, pop it everything all feels is very intentional unique. yeah these are my last two that I found from billboard and you might have to correct me on these but I was trying to double check because I knew you were very passionate about about Cardigan trying to get to number 1 but it did get to number I 1 was. on billboard. Yes. And so they that was her first number one single since Look What You Made Me Do in 2017 from Reputation. I didn't realize that Lover nothing on Lover hit number 1, but it kind of makes sense because I feel like Archer and Me and Lover were not the songs that were going to like hit one. I think I
1: she Do you feel like yeah, out have? of any of them, I think she thought that Me was going to go number 1 but She has, like, in, since 1989, like, reputation and lover, her ability to pick singles kind of got out of tune with, like, what her fans love, because she used to be so, so good at picking singles, and then there for a couple of albums, we were like, Taylor, honey, what are you doing? Like, these are the best singles, you shouldn't have picked this one, blah, 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 but like... She had a reason for everything, I'm sure. And I'm sure she wanted me to be released as the first single on Lover because it was such a stark contrast to Reputation. But yeah, nothing went number one from Lover. And she even released a couple of singles after Look What You Made Me Do and they didn't really get towards number one either.
0: Well, it also said that Folklore was her seventh number one album. Now, just in case you weren't aware of this, she only has eight albums. So literally seven of the eight i think the only one that wasn't was taylor swift
1: it, which yeah, would make that's the only one that wasn't i mean it that was, was her, her first debut. album yeah
0: because i feel like she could keep doing it i was listening to a podcast the other day that was talking about her just career overall and kind of what other people that are in her boat do whether they like start a business or they get really involved in the arts and trying to like build up other artists and stuff and i'd be very curious to see how long she wants to keep making music I'm convinced, I've told Lauren this, I'm convinced that she's already married. I feel like she is already married and that she will release a surprise album and be like, it's going to be called like Wedding Bells or something. And then it's all going to be about her and Joe getting married. Oh (laughs) my
1: gosh. It's album is called Wedding Bells. I'm boycotting Allison. Oh my gosh. Also, I think we should just talk about how this is her second time changing genres. This is her third genre. That is like, I want to say unheard of, but like, maybe I'm not, I'm definitely not the most educated on like music history. But literally, I think no one, I, th- I feel like people take that for granted, that she has changed genres twice. That's a lot. Like the first time people were like, oh my gosh. And now this is literally her second genre change. And it's still selling millions
0: Can you see her staying here? Because honestly, I feel like this track suits her a lot better. Maybe that's just me. And I mean, I haven't been. It's hard.
1: It is hard to predict her. She's so agile. And I think she's, I think I can't really say if she's going to stay an alternative. But I definitely think she's going to continue making music that makes her happy. And quit worrying about making music for the masses. So maybe that means alternative, but not necessarily.
0: I would love that just because she's such a good lyricist that I feel like the alternative genre in general makes a lot of sense for her. Fits her, But I think that she'll be successful in whatever she does. Because like you said, she is very, she's a jack of all trades and a master of more. So I feel like it makes sense for her to just jump around into whatever she's feeling.
1: Yeah, and she can totally go back to pop and make the lyrics work. Like 1989 is heralded as like one of the best pop albums of all time. Like it's definitely in the top ten. So, I think she can go back and make it work, honestly. And then she's also re-recording all of her old albums this year. So, who knows how that's going to change her entire, like, discography. Do you think she's
0: going to do, like, she's going to do all of them, right?
1: honestly no one knows like we can't figure out i say we and this is just like the swift community but like we can't figure out if she's gonna only pick and choose or if she is literally going like we thought maybe she would release a greatest hits album of her re-recording but some people are on the fence of like she's gonna actually re-record every single song but it's gonna just be so different because can you see current taylor singing our song like well, her that's what voice I'm most isn't about. the same because I feel
0: like after that I feel like fearless and speak now she's not doesn't have as much as of the twang and stuff like she does but it's not as prevalent yeah but I would love to hear her sing like Tim McGraw a place in this world our song teardrops on my guitar I would love to hear her sing all of those now without trying to sound like she used to sound
1: she's sang them live like plenty of times but she's that's usually acoustic with a guitar and not like produced So that's going to be the big difference because she sings, like, at the Reputation Tour, she sang a different old song every night. So she's sang, like, all those songs that you just mentioned recently, but it was acoustically, so that makes a big difference.
0: Well, talking about her past songs on Folklore, what were your favorite songs from the album, and have they changed now since when you first listened to it?
1: So when I first listened to it, I was like, oh my gosh, Seven is my favorite favorite but that's probably going to change by tomorrow when I like re-listen to it. Seven is still my ultimate favorite but I have started to notice like more songs that I really really love that just kind of like were in the middle for me before but now my favorite like that I rediscovered is probably My Tears Ricochet and This Is Me Trying. I really love those two but honestly I could say all of them. What about you?
0: Well, mine has not changed. It was Invisible String, and it still is. I absolutely love that song, um, which I will talk about in a few more minutes. But it's, I don't know, it makes so much sense looking at her career. And after watching Miss Americana, which Lauren and I did watch in February, which still seems like not that long ago, but its it's been I know. half a year. It's been half a year at this point since we watched That's that. That's crazy. I think I see a lot of myself Or kind of, like, see my journey as far as, like, loving and accepting myself and kind of dealing with worrying about other people's opinions through Taylor. And when she talked about a lot of that in her documentary on Netflix, I just grew so much more in my respect for her. So I loved Invisible Strings so much because it's kind of like a song about coming out of the other side. And yeah kind of figuring out why you went through all of the mess that you went through and I just think that that is so awesome so it's just another example of her being a good lyricist and kind of tying in colors to it I thought was just really cool and the fact that she references Centennial Park, Centennial Park. is kind of cool because you're like I I'm from Tennessee I've been there <laughs> um, but I also really like Seven Seven's my second favorite it's just kind of very
1: haunting almost in a way
0: and oh I gosh, really it enjoy is. that
1: I just love the opening of it so much and it definitely gives me, I do not want to compare her to this because I feel like people are going to give me so much hate like people our parents (laughs) age, but she definitely that song reminds me of Fleetwood Mac. No, it does.
0: I I knew you were going to say that before you even said it. It makes sense.
1: But I don't want people to be like, she's no like, she's not Stevie Stevie Nicks, Nicks." but she, I'm not trying to say that.
0: It's an interesting parallel because the sound kind of, it's Stevie Nicks is kind of haunting in some songs.
1: Yes. Dreams is my favorite Fleetwood Mac song. And so I feel like it makes sense that seven is my favorite folklore song. I don't know.
0: I also liked peace. Peace was probably my third favorite. It rose after listening to it more. Yeah. I love, but I really, it's again, it's kind of like her being on the other side of, something and being able to look back and own that she comes with a lot of kind of baggage in a way and I don't want to say baggage but you know she's always going to have a target on her back and so I like that that song is about that
1: yes me too Accept me
0: with that so the
1: double meanings to all of these songs are so good I want to go back to this is me or I want to go back to my tears ricochet I feel like maybe this is obvious to everyone but maybe it's not sometimes it's really hard for me to like relate to casual Taylor Swift fans but that song is so much about her record label issues it's not even funny but if you don't know her life and you're just listening to it you're gonna think it's a love song but it is 100% about her leaving her record label and I just love that it has such double meaning because like me and you have never left a record label we've never had our entire life's work bought for 350 million dollars by the person that we hate most in this world But we still relate to that song. So, I don't know. It's almost like Sarah Bareilles' I'm Not Gonna Write You a Love Song. But less like a a poppy thing. It's just such a mature song. And I love when she admits her faults. Because she kind of like, that was kind of a rocky experience. Like, I'm so sorry for her that she went through that situation. But she also didn't handle it like as gracefully as she could have and I just love that it's not even been a year and she like already sees that she could have done it a lot more gracefully
0: see this is where you have rubbed up on me because he's like he's not a boss he's kind of one of my bosses at work he, I was talking to him about this because he's not the biggest Taylor Swift fan and I, I remember I just asked him not that long ago how do you feel about Taylor Swift and her feud with Scooter Braun and he was like she knew what she was getting herself into she signed a contract and I didn't really say anything because I didn't really know the situation super well but on the inside I was like no no and I knew if you were there that you would kind of be like yeah I've gotten you Allison
1: I know it's almost like we could almost do an entire episode about things that you're like actually really passionate about but it's like a random thing that you're really passionate about (laughs) One for me is like when people say, oh, I'm going to spill coffee on myself and then sue McDonald's for $300 million. And I'm like, okay, well, actually, that was because she got third degree burns and all she asked was for them to pay her hospital bills. Like, I just go on this. Tangent about how that's like she's gone on that fair. tangent
0: with me, so <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, like that is one of my things that just sets me off, and then I get so passionate about. And so Taylor's like whole thing with her record label is another one of those things. So if for the rest of my life when someone brings that up, I'm gonna be like, well, actually,
0: people have done that with me about Disney reopening during the yes middle of the coronavirus because I have a lot of thoughts on that, but it opened a month later than a lot of other theme parks. And a lot of that was because of the safety measures that it wanted to put in place and make sure that their cast members were trained. But I saw all these commentaries of people that don't know Disney at all or have never been there being like, that's so irresponsible and you're just money hungry. And I'm like, listen, you're entitled to that opinion. They open later because of safety precautions and they open later so that they could train and nothing is perfect. But they also employ tens of thousands of people. So it's not just like they were just callously trying to open yeah so I just little thing I understand you and I both get passionate about (laughs) <laughs> very random things which one of them I feel like you're about to get passionate about right now because in our show notes I can see exactly what you told me but do you your least favorite song do you have one from folklore I do it's hoax it's just a I this is a no skip album for me I would not skip one song except hoax but it's at the end so I don't really even need to skip it because sometimes I don't even get there when I listen to it because I have to stop or I get out of the car but that's Did my least favorite song. Did you
1: like False God on Lever? yes okay well i was just gonna say sometimes i really want to compare hoax and false god together but i think it's so interesting that you don't like hoax because i feel like that's the one that's written from the perspective that is like the least similar to ours because it's like literally this old man on like a cliff side is like what she envisioned when she wrote that song So I feel like maybe that's where some of it gets lost in translation for you, maybe. But I really, really like that one. Like, it just makes me feel like I'm in a movie set in Northern Ireland, like, standing on a cliffside. Like, your faithless love is the only hoax I believe in. I'm just really passionate when it comes to her. And that one just screams passion to me. If I did have to say my least favorite song. Okay, this is awful, but... I usually don't love her storytelling, like her, she tells a story in every song that she has, but I don't love her songs that are just a story set to words, or set to song, and I'm kind of like going back, if you need an example, Starlight, which was on Red, that's always been my least favorite song on Red, so one of my least favorite songs on Folklore is Last Great American Dynasty. I actually love that one. It would be in my top five. No, it is not in my top five. I still really like it, but it's not in my top five. Mirrorball also used to be lower on my list, and now I like it more. And then Epiphany is like this, this weird song that I can't like, wrap my mind around, but I really like it, but I don't always have to listen to it, if that makes sense.
0: That's how I feel. I think it's very interesting. It's kind of, when I said Seven felt like it's a little haunting, I feel like Epiphany is the same way, but I just don't understand the point of it super well. Do you have any lyrics that stand out to you already?
1: Okay, so I... Could literally say the entire album stands out to me, Allison. But one that I really want to point out is if you really, really listen to the lyrics of My Tears Ricochet, it is just like the most meaningful song. I don't know. But she says, and I can go anywhere I want, anywhere I want, just not home. And you can aim for my heart, go for blood, but you would still miss me in your bones. And I still talk to you when I'm screaming at the sky, and when you can't sleep at night, you hear my stolen lullabies. So there's just so much. You know, I've
0: never put two and two together until you just said that about how, oh my gosh, about her and her label.
1: Yeah, I can go anywhere I want, anywhere I want, just not home. So you can look at that in two different ways as her home record label, or her home, Nashville, Tennessee, like maybe going there, she just sees way too many people that were involved in her like record label demise and then also you would still miss me in your bones like just that feeling that she probably imagines that her record label has of like wow we're so glad Taylor is gone but then on the inside like dang that was actually a really good partnership and then when you can't sleep at night you hear my stolen lullabies her stolen songs I think this is a lyric that every single person can relate to. If I'm dead to you, why are you at the wake? I feel like that has so many, like, that travels across so many relationships. Like, people say, you're dead to me all the time. But then that person is still, like, going to be obsessed with your life. And you're going to be obsessed with that person's life sometimes. Yeah, and then doesn't she,
0: somewhere in that song, I don't have the lyrics, pulled up in front of me but doesn't she say something about burning and ashes like something about yes. it in my tears ricochet and she brings it up again later yes. is it in peace or hoax it's in one of those two but she says I think something. it's peace and I yeah I was gonna say I think it's peace because I knew I liked the song and we've already been over the fact that I don't like hoax very much and she references that again and I just thought that that was interesting how she like flips it later on in the album
1: I know, and this will be the last one that I talk about, but she says, you wear the same jewels that I gave you as you bury me. Like, she literally gave them, like, the platinum album, the diamond album, like, all of this stuff, and then they buried her. Like, they were like, it's over. I just think that is such a good, like, oh, It just applies to so many things in life, but then it's so specific to her at this moment. Well, while that one is
0: your favorite song, I'll talk about the reason that Invisible String is mine. So I know I said earlier that I feel like I relate to Taylor's journey a little bit, even though we've been through two very different lives and I haven't been through anything close to the amount of crap that she has. But in Invisible String, in the third verse the whole third verse I love where she talks about S. sending her their baby's presents I think just showing how you can deal with the grief or the frustration of losing something that you thought you wanted but being able to have peace with that I thought that was really cool and especially just I know that she went through a lot of mess with Joe Jonas and he's referenced in a lot of places so it's kind of cool that there's a happy tie-in to that but yeah the thing that I love the most in that verse is when she talks about Pretty much taking Joe back to Centennial Park, Alwyn, not the other one, but saying hell was the journey, but it brought me heaven. When I heard that for the first time in my car, I actually started crying. Um, I'm someone who doesn't unlock a lot of things that I need to feel on the inside. It takes something to unlock it, if that makes any sense. And when I heard that lyric, it just made so much sense to me and brought me a lot of peace because I think sometimes we all are going through this valley season and it just takes one thing to make you realize you're through it or you're at least on a higher peak than you used to be. And you've kind of been through a lot of things, but you've gotten stronger through it. And that I lyric, know, it's so good. relating to her life relates to mine. And I just think that that's really hopeful and a good reminder for all of us that hell is part of the journey and it sucks sometimes. But if you keep persevering and you just trust that you're going to get to where you need to be, you'll get there. And I love, I yeah. absolutely love that lyric. So I'm trying not to listen to that song too much because I don't want to get tired of it, but I probably will listen to it a lot. And the last one that I wrote down is from Peace where she says, all these people think loves for show, but I would die for you in secret. And that one, again, all of these are kind of just how I personally feel about life, but I think we live in an age where a lot of people do a lot of things for show, and I've had people in my life that want to be, like, close to me or be my friend for show, and then when it matters, they flake out, and I have thankfully come to a point in my life where a lot of the people I have in my life are not there for show, like, they're there in secret, they're there in the low points, and they would be there for all of it, and I just think that's really A profound way to phrase something with a lot of layers into the way that I've grown in my journeys and my friendships in life because that's how I want to be as a friend. I don't want to be the one that's just like posting pictures and being, I don't know, there in the front of things. I want to be there when you need me and a shoulder to cry on. But then nights to talk on the couch about Taylor Swift, too. And it's nice to have a friend that's there for you in secret, just like they're there for show. And I think that's cool.
1: Exactly. I also love that that's how you took that lyric because that's exactly how things are for her right now because she has never publicly shared anything about her and her boyfriend. Like, she has never shared willingly anything about her relationship right now, and they've been dating for more than three years. So I think that's just so interesting that she can say something that's so specific about her, but then you still get it in your life. And going on with peace, like... One of my favorite parts in the song is it's toward the beginning when she says, I never had the courage of my convictions as long as danger is near. And it's just around the corner, darling, because it lives in me. I don't know. I just think that's such like a lyric that you have to like think about what it means. Like you don't just listen to it at face value. That's one that like really stops you and makes you think, what is she saying here? It's so good.
0: I think that is interesting, especially because later when she kind of talks about i don't know the whole premise of the chorus of like i'll never bring you peace i think it's just the same kind of idea that she knows that she is almost kind of like this volatile person not because she herself is but she knows that wherever she goes like she's she's gonna have like volatile things happen in her life yeah so i i think that makes sense i enjoy that too peace is a really good song
1: oh i know peace is amazing But my last one, which I could literally name like six lyrics from each song that I love, but the last one I'll talk about today is Cardigan is kind of in the middle for me on the album. Like it's not, definitely not one of my least favorite songs, but it's definitely not in my top five. But I love when she says, you drew stars around my scars and now I'm bleeding. I don't know. I just think that perfectly describes love, like the person who loves you most in this world will always be there to draw stars around your scars like make something good out of what you used to consider something like really bad and really hurtful and like the person who loves you more than anything will make your like insecurities or your scars something that you are like proud of like a star like a gold star (laughs) But then she says, now I'm bleeding. It's kind of like that lost love feeling. But I kind of like focusing on the huger stars around my scars part. Well,
0: speaking of stars, it's now time to rate this album. So we're going to. I. This is
1: so unfair. This is so biased. We'll rate it
0: out of five stars. How about that? What would you give it on a scale of, five stars. of one to five stars? zero if you want but I know you and I are neither of us are rating at zero stars
1: I'm going to say 4.99 because the only thing that I feel like I'm missing from this album which I feel like she left out purposely was that burning build-up that you have in songs like all too well like I feel like there aren't many songs that just like reach this crescendo Like, I don't even know if that's the way you say that word, but just reach this like head banging, singing in your car pain that you can experience when you listen to All Well. And I feel like I needed one song just to do that. But I feel like she didn't do that for a reason. So I'm totally fine with it. But I give it a four point nine 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 nine. What about you?
0: I actually was going to give it five. But the reason that I'm going to give it five is even though hoax is not my favorite i don't skip anything on this album i would listen to all of it yeah i think the storytelling true. is immaculate that this album is just so interesting and different and i feel like it it has peaks and valleys not just there's not sections of this that i want to skip and i also feel like instrumentally yeah. the way that she composed this album and the people that she worked with they knew what they were doing i seriously think that it's a really well made album
1: it is so good i mean it is five out of five for me like i even wrote in the show notes i give a million but if I had to like pick one thing that I would have been like oh my gosh this would have been like <laughs> My perfect album. Mm-hmm. But nothing can be like your own perfect album. You know, it's her perfect album.
0: I think you and I are approaching our rankings a little bit differently, too, because you've always been a big Taylor Swift person. So you're able to more kind of like yeah. articulate your ranking in a way that pertains to all of her music in the past, Where mine is more of just yeah. I'm coming in one time and listening to this one experience and listening, rating it on that. So that's partially why. That's too.
1: completely true. I'm also a little bit harder on her Which I'm going to say with a grain of salt because, you know, I would defend her at any moment and lay down my sword, like, at her feet. But I am also so, like, I pay so much attention to her that I feel like I'm able to really, like, not nitpick, but really dissect something from her. Whereas you're more of, like, on the surface. Even though you still get into it really deep. But I'm, like, more digging into everything. So I definitely agree with what you're saying about longevity. I really think this album will go down as one of her best. I really do.
0: Well, this is Taylor's eighth album. And Lauren and I have decided that before we close out the show, it's very important that we let you know how this album ranks compared to all of Taylor's other albums. So Lauren and I are going to give you our rundown on the ranking. I will be completely honest with you. I gave myself kind of an easier job on this because I feel like I can't rank this compared to her whole career because I was not a big Taylor Swift fan from like the first four albums. So I have no, I can't because there's three albums I wouldn't be able to place in here. So I'm going to rate it based off everything after 1989. So that's four of her albums. And then Lauren is gonna do all of them.
1: So for me, I would love to give myself like five years to look back on this because I feel like it's really hard for me because I get so ingrained in an era. But I think this will stay the same at least until another album comes out, but for me, Folklore is number one right now because it's just my favorite music with my favorite artists, so it's perfect. Lover will always be one of her top-rated albums for me because it came out the year that I was engaged, and it's all about love in all of its forms, so the song Lover literally is like my favorite song of all time, So I love Lover.
0: I really thought that would be your number one.
1: It's really hard, but I love folklore right now. And I'm just listening to folklore right now. So I think those two are kind of tied to me. But I don't know. Folklore is definitely number one right now. Then I would have to say Red and 1989 come next. I want to say Red first, but I used to probably say 1989 before Red. But I think folklore is making me lean more towards Red right now. But yeah, I love both of those. And then Speak Now, because I love that she wrote that herself. Like, I'm just so proud of her. Then Fearless, then Reputation, and then Taylor Swift.
0: All right. Like I said, I made my job a little bit easier. So I'm only doing half of them because <laughs> I can't I can't do... I literally cannot tell you about Red, Speak Now, and Fearless. But uh, I would give honorable mention to Taylor Swift before I get started because I actually did really yes. love that original album. But for me, number four is Reputation. Three is lover. I do really enjoy it. For me, that album just kind of encapsulates my senior year of college, so that will always be kind of special, and that's thanks to Lauren, who's actually wearing a Taylor Swift hat that might be from Lover. I don't really know. It has really bright colors on it. It is. Number two is 1989. That was my senior year of high school, for the most part. No, it was junior year of high school, but it's funny that two of her albums just kind of like cover two very different periods of my life, and I think that's kind of fun. In 1989, I just remember hearing Blank Space for the first time in my car and thinking that was one of the most iconic songs I've ever heard of her just. Making fun of all her stereotypes in the media was hilarious. It's a good song. Folklore is number one. I think it's really good. I think that I will continue to really like this album. Um, It's just really different from her other stuff. And I won't probably listen to it as often because it can be a little bit more of a somber album. But it's real life. And I think that's why I like it so much more. Those are our official rankings. And Lauren, I think that this is going to wrap up our episode talking about folklore. Do you have any final thoughts for the people? Yeah, I'm
1: so... All I want to say is that I'm so proud of us for keeping that to an hour because, (laughs) well, it's an hour at the time we're recording. I don't know how long it'll be when Allison cuts it down, but honestly, I'm just proud of us for keeping it to an hour is all I want to say. I am too. I will say... Because I could talk about it a lot longer. We spent probably a
0: good amount of time yesterday without realizing it, even doing Taylor Swift stuff, because I found this girl on Tumblr who somehow created this quiz or sorter where you kind of she has every taylor swift song in it and then you pick your favorites of all time in head-to-head matchups so it'll give you like the man versus tim mcgraw and you pick which song you like better and you keep doing that until she sorts every single of taylor swift songs and it gives you your number one favorite all the way down to like 140 whatever it took a long time it took a very long time but lauren and i did that yesterday in preparation and that was actually a lot of fun so i can put that in the show notes if any of you really love taylor swift and want to try that out but we have just been very swifted out this week and very excited to talk about this album. So it, it's kind of weird that we're done. But, yeah, I'm surprised that we kept it as short as we did. Because I've definitely talked to you about her longer than this. Oh, yeah,
1: for sure. We will talk about her for, like, hours. We will definitely post each of our respective top tens on social media so that we can compare and, like, chat further. Because... As I was saying, we could talk about her for way more than one hour. And
0: if she ever releases another surprise album, we will do it again.
1: Yeah. And speaking of Instagram, if you guys want to follow us and engage with us on Instagram, we're always posting behind the scenes content, um, pictures of me and Allison recording virtually away from each other, and just all kinds of little tidbits and table topics. So definitely follow us on there. It's at nice to have a friend, Pod on instagram and if you
0: loved this episode and would like to hear more from us whether it's about our season on change or about taylor swift whose career changes all the time if you were wondering how that fit into the change season then please go on itunes and rate and review us we would love it if you gave us a five star rating if you love us a lot and then if you leave a review that just helps more people be able to find us and have more people come into this community and join in on our conversations whether it's in their car and their workouts or just hanging out at home But Lauren and I are really grateful to have you here. That is going to wrap it up for our Taylor Swift conversation
1: for today. And as Taylor Swift herself says, it's nice to have a friend.